This is The Waycast is a podcast where we recap every Star Wars episode as it releases on Disney+. Plus. This is your spoiler alert, and you have been warned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This is The Waycast, where we're switching things over a little bit and transitioning into Mandalorian Season 3. I'm Sarah Edwards, the resident Star Wars writer at Boardwalk Times. And I'm Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief of the Boardwalk Times. So today we're pivoting a little bit. We're going to be talking about the season three premiere of The Mandalorian. Is it the apostate? Is that how he pronounced it? I think so. It was a it's really weird word when difficult he said it. Difficult word. I was like, huh. And you also got that Mando <laughs> accent too, or like the Mando helmet, like that yeah, Pedro like Pascal the, the voice. voice skewing it. But that's yeah. the episode we're going to talk about today. We have been waiting so long for the season three premiere. How long have we been waiting? Since 2021? I honestly think technically since 2020, right? For Mando, because obviously we got yeah. Book of Boba Fett in between. But I think you're right. This was a lengthy uh, lay layover. Like this, we we waited a long time for the Mandalorian to specifically return. And that's this is one of my I have a few gripes that I'm going to talk about in this episode, which normally I don't have a lot of gripes with Star Wars. So sure. <laughs> plot twist. Um Star Wars just has this thing where they take hiatuses during shows. And like this one, COVID had a big play in that. Um, but we think back to Clone Wars. There was a very long hiatus between season six and season seven. Um, and then a really short hiatus between Clone Wars and Bad Batch. Mandalorian, we had the same thing. We ended season two and then we just had nothing for a year and a half at least. So it's funny how shows that star wars makes just take these random season hiatuses and it's i don't know it's like what's going on behind the scenes there's definitely interesting there's probably some interesting layers behind the scenes for sure and i don't think it helped that book of boba fett was like interjected in the middle here i know there yeah. were some different creatives on that show but i do think because this is like the mandoverse Book of Boba Fett, I think, did take up, especially that it was a surprise show. Because I remember a lot of people mm -hmm. when they were filming Book of Boba Fett, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's season three of The Mandalorian. And it's Boba Fett and Fennec yeah. Shan and all that. But, you know, doing that surprise series, I think, really, you know, pushed back Mando season three. But the good news about the behind the scenes stuff is that Jon Favreau did confirm that he's written all of season four. Of the Mandalorian. So I'm oh, wow that Mando season four will hit production probably after Pedro Pascal and some of the other actors once they get schedules aligned. And if you know we have to see how Ahsoka and skeleton crew <laughs> ties into all this, which we'll talk about later. But I do think they're Disney Plus and Star Wars Lucasfilm, they're gonna try to close that gap a bit because you're right, you know, they took a lengthy hiatus. And as we have talked off this podcast, Sarah, the marketing for Mandalorian season mm -hmm. has been extremely muted until the premiere yesterday. Exactly. Back up. Yeah. And I spend a lot of time on social media and I haven't been on the Star Wars side of the algorithm as much. So maybe that's why I didn't see as much marketing for it. But even then, like the the hype around season two was so huge. I felt like I was seeing Mandalorian stuff everywhere and we wanted anything we could get our hands on. And now those efforts were really minuscule. And I, all that led up to what was it, a 32, a 35 minute premiere? It almost felt like 30 minutes. And yeah. 
the thing is, I think we're going to actually have two different sides here because I do love when Mando actually doesn't waste any time. Like it's no filler, all thriller mm -hmm. type when they just kind of it's like it was just back to the basics, foot on the gas. The Mandalorian is back. <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed that. My one gripe, and I think you'll probably have the same gripe as me, or at least I would assume is that I think when they do that intro recap for the Man Mandalorian yeah. season three, how don't you include the season two finale moments? How don't you exactly, make that an extra yeah. long recap? Like that should have been, we should have included Pedro taking, I mean, not Pedro, <laughs> the Mandalorian <laughs> taking off his helmet and looking at Grogu, Luke Skywalker. We should have seen scenes yeah. from Book of Boba Fett. And in the corner, you could have put, watch this on Book of Boba Fett. Like you could have integrated your tech stack to be like, if before you jump in, want to watch this or just anything. It just felt so weird that that recap was so short and it like relied on you not yeah. really knowing because if you... If you watched just the season two finale, the rescue, and then you go into the season three premiere, the apostate, or however you say that, we're going to get that right. <laughs> um, you would be kind of lost without knowing about Book of Boba Fett. And I know there is a Absolutely. lot of people who do know about Book of Boba Fett, but there, there is probably a lot of people who don't know about it or they didn't know the Mandalorian Or they just didn't watch it. it. Or they didn't yeah. care. They didn't care. Like, I honestly think you could probably watch the you know, really the last two or last three episodes of Book of Boba Fett and that could count yeah. into season three of Mando, honestly. No, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and with that, I think that should just take us right into our recap. Yeah. So we open this episode of The Mandalorian where it this was a really great tease opening because we're on some sandy lakeside planet there's the armorer who's forging together a helmet, which I thought was a really cool process. And they are in the process of officially armoring or helmeting this young boy who I thought that was Din. I thought this was a flashback. I did too. I thought it was a flashback 100%. Like the, they got someone who looks kind of like Pedro, like a wider version of Pedro with longer hair. I really liked seeing all of these different Mandalorian armors and just I loved how it showed that they are all unique. Like they make the armor their own, not according to a clan. I agree with that, too. And I think that's when I knew it wasn't uh, Din because of the helmet that came out, like the yeah. colors on the helmet. And what's funny is you're right. He did look like a young Din in a way or like just that young kind of character. And funny enough, he's Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. Oh, really? Young kid who played, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. So I'm sure Jimmy Kimmel, because he's a Disney company man, will be bragging that his nephew was in The Mandalorian at some oh, point, or at so least cool. I'm assuming he will, because it's it's kind of a flex, obviously. Oh, absolutely. The fact that his face got to be shown too, and that he actually had dialogue, like that's pretty big. There was a role, yeah. He was a he <laughs> was uh the found a foundling, right? Is that what they call it in the yes, Mandalore culture, yes. like a foundling? And yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that opening scene is one of those classic, like, balls to the wall, like, action scene. And I think yes. that's what has been missing. Like, Andor obviously was a different type of show. Mm -hmm. So it's like going from Andor, which was way more of a focused, like, kind of drama, to like, this is like, do 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 <laughs> You know, crazy, just crazy stuff happening right out of the gate. Yeah. I, I really felt like it was a 
good good way to ease back into the Mandalorian world because it's like it's just it was like very simple in my opinion like well done like kind of just comforting brought you back in yeah a great hype especially once you know we transition to the Mandalorians fighting this big reptile creature and then here comes Mando and his brand new ship with the child with Grogu helping to destroy that animal and that's how we get into the opening credits. And this is where we establish one of the plot lines that I think is going to carry this season. Din removed his helmet. He is no longer officially part of the Creed and he's trying to find a way to redeem himself. The armorer says, if you can bathe in the waters in the mines of Mandalore, then you are restored. But for now, you're not part of the Creed. And so I like that we've returned to this new mission of how do I get myself to be a, just a regular Mandalorian again? And I love that too. And I think we are definitely setting up in future episodes this return to Mandalore and yes. him atoning for his transgressions. And obviously, he still has Grogu. So yeah. while he's on this mission to atone for his transgressions, I would say there's like a 85% chance someone's going to go after Grogu this season and try to kidnap oh, yeah. him. I mean, whether it is a space pirate or it is, you know, someone who is from a first order or ex empire, like just or even one of the crime syndicates. I mean, I wouldn't put put it past Favreau and Filoni to call up Amelia Clark and we get Kira. Yeah. Oh, and Crimson Dawn and stuff. I mean, I, I could really see because they like tying so much in to this show. Um. From a fan perspective, I could see that. But no, I definitely think that storyline with Din trying to be accepted back into the Mandalorian Creed is going to be fascinating because I could see it ending in a lot of different ways. I could honestly, yeah. you, know, you could see him. What if he sides with like the Bo-Katan side of the world or, you yeah, know, what? Yeah, Bo is a different kind of Mandalorian. Like she she believes in a different type of mandalorian lore she's a part of a side that's less extreme i believe as she said it's less cultish yes um, so hers is a little more on the let's make ourselves known whereas i think the mandalorian that din is is kind of more on the let's stay hidden side yeah the din side where he was raised was much stricter rules and yes stuff and there's definitely this mandalorian civil war brewing i feel or oh yeah maybe maybe there is but yeah no i definitely think it's this is a good storyline to carry through this season because i mean there's a lot of potential where they can take it in the next seven episodes absolutely so mando now has his mission ahead of him he's just gotta storm into mandalore and bathe in the mines underneath mandalore and sundari so, of course, he goes to our a planet that we haven't seen in a while, Navarro. Well, I guess we saw it in season two. And we see our good friend, Grief Karga, who's aged and has become, what's his title? High? The High Magistrate? Or yes. It's, it's, high it's, Magistrate. They did that in season two with uh, the Ahsoka episode, the High Magistrate. Like, I guess that's a star, <laughs> big Star Wars type um, government thing. But you're right. We Navarro has built up. Navarro yeah. is getting, you know, even from season two, it's, you know, season one, obviously Navarro was dangerous and more of a crime ridden 
bounty hunting town and even yeah. Grief Cargo was in a different line of work, I would say. And then season two, you see the progression of Navarro. And then season three, obviously there's been a time jump, even though we have not been told there's been a time jump just because it's implied, yeah. There's so much going on. And also Grief Karga is a different type of guy now because he had he's he's a leader of this city. And he's trying to make things better. He's trying to make sure things are safe and that they remain independent from the new Republic, which I love that line because that could be a storyline in itself. Oh, absolutely. And I could see that being a conflict as we go further in this series. That could even be a conflict for season four. I don't know if they'll address it in this season. They could. Who knows? They could a little bit. Yeah, I have a feeling this season's going to focus mostly on Mandalorian lore, and then season four is going to kind of be lead up to like New Republic stuff, Empire stuff. That's that's at least where I could see it going. I think you're right with season four being more of a New Republic centered story. I think season mm-hmm. three right now, it's they're going to wrap up some of this Mandalorian, Mandalore, all this history, <laughs> all this backstory stuff. In season three, but then season four, and especially because Mando season four will come out after Ahsoka and Skeleton crew, I think there could be potential of season four being more of a bigger story. And even I've always said on this podcast, it wouldn't be a This Is The Waycast podcast without me saying that a Favreau Filoni Mandalorian (laughs) Mandoverse film would do so much money at the box office. It would be so fun to watch all these characters that we've been watching since 2019 now appear pretty on the much big yeah you know yeah I, it's I, been four years yeah by the time they do if they ever did a conclusion to this mandoverse like you know this timeline within the star wars like pre-force awakens yes if they if they ever do that like the end like a film where it's like the mandalorian grogu grief karga ahsoka bogatan the whole gang, Luke Skywalker, even whatever. <laughs> I mean, that movie would be just amazing from a fan standpoint, but just also just from the Mandalorian standpoint of like this show basically helped spawn a piece of time within the Star Wars. It uncovered a gap in the Star Wars timeline that a lot of people want it to be explored. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it's that's good. It's the holes between the trilogies that just have so much potential. Yes. There's so much that can be done. And I really like that the movies create that hole to give us more media. That, no, that's the brilliance of stars in a way that like you wrap with this the original trilogy and then you have this big long gap before the sequel trilogy. But now in the mid part you get the mandalorian which is basically the tale of the fall of the empire or five Mm -hmm. years after the fall of the empire but it's also the rise of the first order which we still haven't seen yet in mando we still haven't because everything has been x empire nothing has truly been first order which i'm very curious when they finally pull the trigger establish that yeah when they pull the trigger and you see a first order thing pop up or you get more ties to the sequel trilogy or something like that i think there's obviously like what we said there's so much potential in the mandalorian and all of his all of its storylines absolutely 
So we're on Navarro and Mando is wanting to get back the droid that we haven't seen since season one. I, I kind of thought that was really random that he was like, okay, now I'm going to try and fight for this droid. <laughs> so I found this moment hilarious because I know Din does not like droids that much. Yes. I know he doesn't like droids that much and that he felt comfortable enough with IG-11 mm-hmm. that he wanted him to help him guide the seas of Mandalore or the mines of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty, pretty cool call, even though just how, um, goofy the decision is and even grief is like it's a statue it's 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 you're lucky we even recovered the parts i mean so i i do think that was a really (laughs) sort of funny moment yeah and if anything this little arc also set up the second mission for mando we had a lot of storylines set up in this episode yeah so we have mando needs to go bathe in the waters of the mine and now he needs to find a new memory core for ig so that he can have a partner That's to go right. in. So it, oh, yeah. so it was another another setup of like, okay, now another thing I have to do. It's kind of setting up the like, I thought this would be easy. And now it's like, sure. Okay, this is actually going to be real. This is actually going to be hard. <laughs> I mean, I still think it's kind of funny that the uh, Din had contact with, you know, obviously Luke and R2-D2. Mm-hmm. I think R2-D2 could help. R2-D2 and C-3PO could probably help you out on the (laughs) Mandalore. You know, I think those droids are always up for it. But one thing on IG-11, one thing on IG-11, it's our Mando music moment brought to you by Giovanni. Giovanni couldn't be on the Mm -hmm. pod today, but he was like, oh, you have to talk about this, is that they did bring back IG-11's theme from season one. They brought it back from season one. And obviously, this season of The Mandalorian is scored by uh, Joe Shirley, and the themes are by Ludwig Gorenson still. Mm-hmm. So it was great that they brought that back and that they're doing more with the music. Obviously, with Gio being on the upcoming episodes with us, he'll break down the music and the themes more. But <laughs> we just had to point out that they did bring back IG-11's theme. They did. And there's just such a, there's a lot of callbacks to season one. I mean, we have IG's theme. I like that they didn't make it easy to just restore IG 11. I feel like there have been some episodes in Mando and just Book of Boba Fett where things have just been a little too easy. Um, So I like that we're kind of establishing a challenge. Also, side note, and speaking of characters from seasons one and two, they, they handled Cara Dune not showing up they 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 crossed the path and they were like we're not going back yeah i think they did a good job writing her off and obviously i don't think anyone will be upset over it just because i mean they were like well she was sent off with special new republic special forces but the one thing that i do wonder with how they said it and how they addressed it is that we were supposed to have the rangers of the new republic as Mm -hmm. a disney plus spinoff series which was going to be cara dune Mm-hmm. as one of the central characters and then obviously we were going to have i think Hera Syndulla from rebels and yep. some of these x-wing fighters from the new republic also in the show and just different mayfield like all these different mando almost like side characters like becoming rangers of the new republic my only thing is with reading interviews with like Filoni and Favreau and even like the directors of the Mandalorian, there's a part of me, Sarah, that wonders if they sent Cara Dune off with the new Republic special forces. And we're going to about to see a recast 
of Cara Dune. Oh, I I could see that. There, were, I remember when everything with Gina Carano was coming out. Yeah, there were a lot of suggestions at who they could recast that really would fulfill the role quite well. And sure. I mean, they have this whole they have this whole other storyline set up of like Moff Gideon is at is with New Republic Special Forces. He's in prison. I mean, that could be a whole other conflict of like Moff Gideon could still get out. They'd have to show Kara some way or another. So they, I could totally see a recast. And honestly, I think it could be in their best interest. We don't really have a lot of female characters to look up to in the Star Wars universe right now. We have Fennec, we have Bo-Katan, who is a war criminal. So I don't know if she's necessarily like a... Oh, yeah. I don't know if she's necessarily like a, a good female influence to look up she, to, but she might, she might be, you know, it might be. If yeah. she redeems herself, yeah, we'll get there. Star Star Wars is a very slipper, slippery slope with some of these characters. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, they definitely have the potential to bring in another female lead or some kind of strong female character. And I think they should, I think it would be in their best interest because it's very male heavy right now. 100%. And I think that's where I, Favreau and Filoni, they loved writing that Cara Dune character. Yeah. They wanted to do, it's clear when you watch season one, and season two, they had plans. You know, as we said, you know, there was going to be the spinoff show. And I do think, you know, there's been enough time since the whole Gina Carano thing that mm-hmm. even if they wait till the end of season three to bring in the new Cara Dune, I think that it will work out well. And I think yeah. it could be a smart decision just because I do think our world has to become more used to recastings. I think we've yeah. gotten almost too cynical where we're like, oh, no, only this person can play this character. And I think we have to start letting actors act again in some yeah. way. I mean, there's some there's some scenarios where it is okay to do CGI Leia and CGI Luke Skywalker. And there is some, oh, absolutely. Where, hey, you don't recast Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. You don't need to, you can do a new T'Challa um, 20 years mm-hmm. from now. Like there is some scenarios that work, but then obviously like on the Marvel side, you saw like Thunderbolt Ross got William mm-hmm. Hurt got recasted by Harrison Ford. So it's like, I do think we have to be more flexible with three castings. And I think it would be good on Lucasfilm's part if they did bring back Cara Dune. And even if they bring her back and she looks, she looks different. She's gone through stuff, even if she's not as muscular or whatever, like, I mean, they could still make it work, make it work. And it would be (laughs) fine, but you're right. I think the female presence on Mando right now is really Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan's your only female presence and i'm assuming we might get ahsoka i mean i don't really know so yeah you're right yeah it's hard to say female yeah i could see them saving rosario dawson and ahsoka for ahsoka's show i could see i could see them just kind of staying like let's let's get wait for the hype let's just go ahead and let's let's leave ahsoka in her show for now which i think would help clear up because i don't know how ahsoka's part would fit in with mando who knows maybe Maybe Ahsoka will come looking for Grogu again, but like she doesn't really have a part in this season, at least that I see for now, because the storyline with Grogu is he's just going to stay with Mando. He doesn't want to be a Jedi. He doesn't want to be a Jedi master. He just wants to be with Mando. So I could see them leaving Jedi lore out for a while and saving that for Ahsoka. And that makes sense. And also another mystery, even though we didn't get it addressed in this episode, Sarah, and I want to bring this up quickly before we move on to our like next couple points is that 
another storyline we have, you know, obviously Mando and Mandalore and, you know, all these quests. But another thing lying, the biggest question we've had is who saved Grogu on the night of Order 66? That's going to probably yeah. get addressed at some point this season. I really think it might finally be addressed this season. I think or, or there might be a bigger hint at it. I think that would be great because you're right. We've never figured out who saved him. How did he escape? I mean, ev- I feel like every Jedi that we've seen that has become a main character, we kind of see how they've survived Order 66. So, exam- for example, Cal Kestis in the Fallen Order games, we learn later in the game how he managed to survive for... Um, for Kanan in Rebels, we learn in Bad Batch how he was able to survive. I mean, we eventually learn how Jedi survived Order 66. Grogu is really the only one that we don't know how he managed to make it this far. And I really think that would be a great plot twist, especially, or not plot twist, but just great point to bring in. Um, He still has a connection with the Force, and they still highlight that connection a little bit. Like we saw him go, you know, yeah. holding the red bean or using the force to get the little red candy. Uh, the space whales as well, which is a Rebels reference to I the waiting, very, very last few I episodes. I was waiting for you to bring that up because <laughs> I I was watching the episode and at first I thought I was just like looking at space clouds and I was like, oh, is it what I think it is? Because obviously I haven't watched Rebels, but I know what this is. I know yeah. the lore. Like I've heard about this space whale stuff and I can't be any more excited. I might be the best fake Rebels fan ever. Like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like I am the biggest Ezra Bridger fan and I think I've watched one episode on Disney XD years ago. So it's like I'm that guy. <laughs> I will say, Zach, once you get into Rebels and you finish the series out, those space whales are going to really have a different impact on like they're going to mean so much more oh, man. than what you realize. Can't wait. Can't wait. I I could also see th- this is a slight spoiler alert, but I could see this as being a way they tease Ezra instead of Ahsoka. Oh, for sure. Mandalorian. Like I could yeah. see I could see them doing a little tease in Mandalorian and then saying like, hey, go back and watch Rebels so that when you see Ahsoka, we can we can tie it back to Ezra. I think that would be a fantastic callback. I think so too. I think that would be that would be pretty incredible if they figure that out. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully we get a little more force stuff. I really do like that Mandalorian stays away from the typical Jedi lore and um, you know, force lore. But with Grogu, I I would like to see a little bit more of like how is he navigating this? Cause Mando is raising him to be a Mandalorian, to be a survivalist. And Grogu is like, well, I'm still a baby. I'm just here coming along for the ride. For sure. And it's like we've talked about like a potential Mandoverse film and we've talked about Ahsoka and like how Mm -hmm. that ties in. We have another series in the Star Wars, in the Mandoverse, as we call it, Mm -hmm. coming out hopefully at the end of this year called Skeleton Crew, which is Mm -hmm. directed by John Watts and created by John Watts. And it's like about a bunch of kids who just get lost in the Star Wars galaxy. In the big room, in Jude Law's in it as the adult character, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, they really haven't explained that all that well because obviously, you know, you've only seen like one piece of footage from it. And it's like Jude Law, like just like like that. It's like not even like, <laughs> anything. Um, but it has like that very like 
Stranger Things Amblin vibe so far of like, oh, it's kids getting lost in the Star Wars galaxy. But the big rumor is that that show will be the one show where they introduce Grand Admiral Thrawn from Rebels. Like that's at least the rumor. I am trying to see. I don't know if Mando season three is going to actually connect into Skeleton Crew. I know it's set within the same timeline in universe though, but I don't know if you had any predictions or like any sort of insight on how that show might, you know, do you think Mando cameos or like, how do you think they make it clear that it's connected outside of the timeline or like that it's, you know, same timeline. Actually, I could see Ahsoka being more tied into skeleton crew. Cause if we remember during the Ahsoka episode for Mando season two, she's asking where Thrawn is. So I could see, I could see Ahsoka making an appearance in Skeleton Crew. I don't know about Mando. That seems a little outside of his mission. Too far. Yeah, but you never know. They they kind of they found a way to tie him into Book of Boba Fett, which we were all very surprised at. So I mean, he could make a cameo. But if anything, from what I've seen with Rebels and the season two Ahsoka episode, I could see them connecting it with her for Skeleton Crew, and maybe they run into her, or maybe they reference her. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting one. And obviously it's so far out. Like we don't have a true trailer. We yeah. don't have a true synopsis. I don't even know the rest of the cast. So it's like that right there. It's like, it's hard to project things, but I do think just with how everything's like so connected together, there's, there has to be something there that's going to like lead up to something even more. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> So anyway, we transition from the space whales, and this is when Mando, we enter our last scene where Mando goes to visit Bo-Katan. We're on this, I think we're on Mandalore, or no, we're no, we're on some kind we're of on a different, different planet, planet. For sure. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. identified what planet it was, but it's a very rainy planet, very beautiful. I want to know how she got this castle, because it's a beautiful place that she's in, and Bo-Katan is just moping around. Her forces have, yes, her forces have melted away. She's she's on her own. She just looks like a, she looks like a dishonored Mandalorian. Which obviously, once again, if you only watch the season two finale, Mm -hmm. then you watch the season three episode, you're so confused. Yeah, at this particular scene. For all of us who follow Star Wars, we knew this was coming. We knew that there was going to be this conflict between Bo-Katan and Din. And we mm-hmm. kind of saw that in the season two finale with the whole Darksaber. But Bo-Katan was also, Koska Reeves was right by her side. Yep. The other Mandalorian. Really weird to go in this whole route of, oh, oh, my forces are fleeting, fleeing me. And I just don't know what like what is that leading to and like it's just i'm i'm very curious like what is bo katan's role in the mandalorian season three my so from clone wars lore and rebels lore is bo katan's mission is always to retake the throne of sundari and to retake mandalore so that she's the true leader um because her older sister satine in the clone wars was the duchess at one point she was the head leader until spoiler alert she died um yep and so that meant that Bo-Katan was technically the next in line but something always comes in the way to keep her from the throne uh for example for Clone Wars Darth Maul took over and that was the end of that you know Rebels 
Bo-Katan is trying to go to go for the throne, but Sabine and her family think that they have the rightful, they're the rightful heirs to the throne. I mean, there's a lot of lore in Rebels that kind of lead up to what Bo-Katan's role is, but I think it's the same. I think she's still just trying to retake her the place that she thinks is hers. And, you know, she can't do that without the Darksaber. Yeah, and good point of bringing up Sabine, because she's going to be in Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I wonder if they will have more crossings of paths here soon, like, you know, the Ahsoka and the Mandalorian. I don't know within this season, but definitely just seems like there is more kind of like crossover potential happening just because it seems like a lot yeah. of these characters have intertwined histories that it would almost make almost make sense for that to happen. But yeah, I'm just very curious. And also in order to win the, like to wield the dark saber, you have to win it. And that's why Moff Gideon mm-hmm. was so brilliant by losing. <laughs> exactly. Chaos. I love it. He's like, ah, look, <laughs> Din doesn't have a clue. So, I mean, I'm just shocked. Why isn't Pokemon just challenged Din straight up? I think because they were allies and that she helped him, he helped her. It's like, well, why should we challenge each other? Like we kind of helped each other get to our mission until this happened. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think it's her own. Like she's on her own. She doesn't have a lot of allies. So I think she's kind of like, I kind of need to keep everybody that I can, even though in this scene, it seemed like she was kind of casting him off. Yeah, definitely was casting him off a bit. And yeah, no, I'm just I'm really curious to see their conflict. Yeah, you know, because it does seem like they're setting up this Bo-Katan versus Mando conflict. At least one of the many storylines we're setting up seems that's going to be a showdown, yeah. I guess. And Katie Sackoff has had a really big part in the promotion and the marketing with this show Expanded, from the minimal yeah. efforts that we saw. So, I mean, her role is definitely going to be very essential. I think it's just a matter of how essential. We will see. (laughs) But with that, that was the end of our first episode. So it's been a few years. What were your overall reactions to the episode? I I think it's like how I said it at the beginning. I think it really is Mandalorian. These like 30-minute episodes. No filler, all thriller. Mm-hmm. It's good to be back. It's it's honestly, I think The Mandalorian is one of my comfort shows now. So I do Aww. think, you know, I, I think when you see like Mando and Grogu and Grief Karga and just, you know, Bo-Katan, when you see all the characters that you've watched and you have so much great memories of season one and season two, you're at that point where this is going to be a great ride. So I, I really loved what they did in this first episode because there's just intrigue. There's intrigue again, and yeah. there's discussion again. There's going to be, and I think that sometimes within uh, Star Wars and even on Disney Plus, you just need that. You need shows that can create these like constant like dialogues where you're like, okay, so what what do you, we think is going to happen? What's what's happening here? So it's like I'm excited to be doing this podcast every week because this the show the show just rocks in my opinion. But <laughs> what was your overall reaction to this episode? It's funny because I felt a little underwhelmed by this sure. episode. I've no. been blown away by star wars animation for the past really for the past few months like we had tales of the jedi and bad batch has just been so fantastic i feel like 
So what I liked the Mandalorian for was that it felt grungy, it felt edgy, it felt dark and something yes. different. Yeah. I feel like the role has been flipped because Bad Batch feels that way now. Mm. Like we were watching the episode last night and Giovanni and I are going to recap that as well. But I mean, there's just such an element of darkness and grunge and like grittiness to it that I feel like Mandalorian had in season one and the beginning of season two. And I just feel like it's not there anymore. I don't think that Mandalorian won't get that way again. But it could. yeah, I Bad Batch has really just blown me away this season that it's really hard for for me to say Mandalorian is the same. I thought this was a great opening to the season. We established, it, you know, our conflicts. We established what the mission will be. But I almost kind of felt like it was a little too lighthearted. But then again, we've mm. gone through a few years of, you know, transition and things are changing. So for this universe, it is kind of nice to see that like, okay, things are working out. We our our missions are simple once again, but Bad Batch has really just been taking the win for me that it was really yeah. hard for me to feel the same like, whoa, as I have for for the animated shows that we've and, gotten so far. And I think if we're speaking like all honesty and this might have this might be playing a part in your, you know, obviously you're watching Bad Batch and they're doing mm -hmm. a lot of great things. But from a Mandalorian standpoint, and I think that's why this Mando season three um, premiere is going to probably get either a mixed reaction from people being like, yes, I'll get it. And then some people being like, eh, not really is because yeah. of the Book of Boba Fett thing, because if you think yes. about it. Those Book of Boba Fett episodes they weren't weren't as grungy, weren't as dark. But if you think yeah. about it, if you would have combined, if you would have combined the Book of Boba Fett episodes within this up, like if we would have had like a massive, like long hour, like seventy minute episode today, or I mean seventy <laughs> minute, you know, like a crazy, you know, Stranger Things like runtime episode yeah. where it's like you see mando struggling and wanting to go back to meet luke and you know wanting to give grogu a gift and you know if you would have had all the book of boba fett moments combined within this episode maybe yeah then you could I see the passage of time bigger. it could have had a bigger you know boost to it and obviously that couldn't have happened just because of two different series and stuff and it's clear that I'm starting to think that Book of Boba Fett was honestly really planned on the fly. And I yeah, really do absolutely. Think, I really do think they didn't <laughs> have a lot of ideas for Boba Fett. I don't think they did. And then and that's I, something that Giovanni yeah. and I talked about on our pod with Boba Fett is that this felt really last minute. Like the story, it overall is kind of confusing. A hundred percent. Because it's like no sense. Yeah, because I love Tamora Morrison and I love Ming-Na Wen and I really felt like Bo Book of Boba Fett fell flat for them. It like they, really You have did. two phenomenal actors and they they really put out the effort. Like they were fantastic no matter what, but I felt like the show just was not enough for the two of them. So I really hope that if they if they do bring back Book of Boba Fett, that they think it out a little bit better and gi give Ming-Na Wen and Tamora Morrison the, the justice and the film time that they deserve. I think I, my hot take here is I don't think they bring back Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett. I think they'll just leave it as what it was. But mm -hmm. what they'll do is that we'll just see Boba and Fennec Shan within the Mando series. Whether I can see that, yeah. Whether it's Mandalorian Season 3, Skeleton Crew, Ahsoka, maybe some kind of retooled Rangers of the New Republic 
spinoff mm-hmm. that gets rewritten or something. But yeah, no, it definitely felt like with Book of Boba Fett, they're like, we need to add Mando in the last three episodes. Or just like, you know, obviously it was filmed way before it got released, but still, you're just... Oh, yeah. Kind of, it, it, it was very last minute planning. At least that's what it felt like. So hopefully, maybe they'll do, they'll pull a Book of Boba Fett and they bring the uh, Boba and Fennec in Mandalorian. I could see that being a conflict point. But yeah, I we'll just have to see. We have a whole season ahead of us. Yeah, and awesome. we'll just have to see where it goes. So with that, we'll just have to wait for next week. So thanks for listening to another episode of This Is The Waycast. Stay tuned for me and Giovanni to recap the Bad Batch episode that also aired with Mando. But until then, for more Star Wars content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BoardwalkTimes.